Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. Hey, thank you so much. I love if we could all just stay standing for one moment, if that's, um, if that's not too much, to, too much to ask. I'd just love to pray as, as we begin tonight. Um, so, Lord God, we just honour that you are here tonight. Jesus, we're reverent of who you are. And God, we pray, would we have eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to speak tonight, God? We acknowledge, we choose, Lord Jesus, to step into faith, knowing that, God, you're ready to speak to the young and the old, to, Lord God, the new Christian, Lord Father, and those who have been traveling for 50-plus years, God. We acknowledge that right now in this place tonight, God, you want to speak fresh revelation, God. You want to pour out fresh manner, Jesus, and we just declare with all of our hearts, with all that we are, we're ready to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Awesome. You can be seated. Church, it is my absolute honor to be kicking off this Holy Night series in the PM. Um, But speaking of honor, I'd love to honor um, two different people here tonight. Uh, Three, actually. Um, Number one, I'd love to honor my grandma who is here tonight. Uh, Thank you for, yeah, let's give it up for her. My grandma is the best grandma. Uh, She's a pillar of kindness. Um, She is literally the reason I am here, and um, I I love you so much, and um, I'm I'm glad that I really do get to spend as much time as I'm able to with you, so love you, Grandma. Um, And also, I want to honor our amazing senior pastors, Pastor Kate and Pastor Paul. Um, These guys, yeah, let's give it up for them. Such faithful ministers. Such faithful ministers, you know, um, massive part of the reason that I am where I, that I, that I even know Christ like I do today, you know, is because you and, and um, Pastor Kate have just so faithfully imitated Christ, and not just for me, but for so many here, and we, we just want to honor you. So can we give it up one more time for Pastor Paul and Kate? The bomb. Now, um, anyone that knows me well knows that I love Christmas. I love it. I'm like, I'm on cloud nine. Like, I could have had the worst day today, but just being in this building with like a Christmas tree behind me and, and this cute penguin, I love this penguin. It's so great. I didn't think I was going to love the penguin, but I love the penguin. Um, I love Christmas. I do. I, the Grinches of this world, I don't quite understand. Like, you know, I respect that you're the way that you are, but I don't get you. I'm sorry. I love Christmas. It's so great. Um, but even me, with all my love of Christmas, I have experienced bad Christmas. Christmases uh, once upon a time. Um, and I'd like to share one of those experiences with you. Now, I actually love Christmas so much that I get two in a year. Um, and if I was like prime minister or something like that, I would 100% first thing I'd do is I'd say two Christmases a year because the best thing that you can do, okay? I have um, family that live um, overseas, um, but he works for an airline company, so um, he, he's able to kind of travel um, pretty more freely than maybe many of us. And so he tries to get here every single year for Christmas. But normally what happens is he'll come around the first week of December. He was actually just here. We had our little um, first Christmas um, just the other week, me and my family and my Los Angeles family. Um, and then we have another Christmas on the actual Christmas day. Um, and I remember this one time, I was about five or six years old, something like that. And um, it was that first LA Christmas, Uncle Robert um, just traveled over um, with, with the rest of the family there. And um, my family loves to do this really cruel thing. I don't know if any other families are like this. They, they do this really cruel thing where we don't get to open presents till after dinner, um, which as a kid, as a five or six year old kid, is that just my family? Can I, anyone? It's just my family. All right, I've got to relay this information back and uh, tell them they've been doing it wrong. Um, but they, they, for some reason, that's the, that's the decision that we've made in the household that I grew up in. And um, I remember it was just the perfect storm this one Christmas. I was just coming down. I was five. I was like running off.
off my sugar high. It was just about getting past my bedtime about eight o'clock. And then the presents are coming up. Um, and so like, I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty, you know, ready to just absolutely crash on the floor. But the presents are, you know, keeping me going. So I'm all right, all right, cool. It's present time. And because it's first Christmas, we just get the one present because it's just from our, my LA family. And I remember everyone's getting their presents. I'm not even kidding. I'm the last one to get my present. And I see that my uncle has this, this very kind of small present for me. But I'm stoked because I know what it is. And I open it up and inside of this present was a PC game. But the problem was, is that my family owned a Macintosh. That's right, Apple faithful, OG, 20 plus years. Yeah, that's, that's for real. And I'm not kidding, I'm not, I'm not proud to admit it, but I just burst out crying. I was just like, absolutely, I'm like, everyone else has a present, and I've got this stupid disc that I can't even use for anything, I just want to chuck it out, and like, I'm not kidding, I ruined that Christmas so hard. Like, I had family for the next, like, three Christmases be like, oh, you're not going to do that again, are you, Harrison? But like, it was, I, I, I can remember, the, I was so young, but I can still remember the feeling so strongly. It was like, the, I was just crushed. I was tired, I was coming off my sugar high, I was the only one there without a present, and I was just absolutely bawling. And I, I I was thinking about that, I was just thinking about Christmas and that story came to me and I realized the reason that I had such a bad Christmas is because as kids do, I still thought Christmas was about the presents and um, which for any kids here, I'm sorry, presents are not the real meaning of Christmas, whatever the world has sold to you, that is not true. Um, and I, the, the, when I begin to think about well, actually, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to look into the Bible. We're going to look at the story of Matthew. We're going to look at one man named Joseph. And I think Joseph so clearly exhibits what Christmas is really about. Because I find as a Christian, I can actually sometimes even still fall into that mind frame of thinking, not just that Christmas, but that my life is about the presence. That my life is about the presence that I can receive. And when I, when I fall into that way of thinking, when I don't get what I want... I can get into that tantrum mode again. And the reality is, is we as people, we're all susceptible to it. It doesn't matter if you're five or 50, we can all come to points in our life where we are given a set of cards, we're giving our present, and it doesn't match what we want. And if we're not careful, if we think that our life's about the presence, we can get into a tantrum. We can get into the tears and the what is going on. But I want to talk about the Christmas spirit tonight, because I believe in the Christmas spirit. And I want to let, in case you didn't know what Christmas is about, Christmas is about Christ. And the title of my message tonight is it's really warm and fuzzy and going to make you feel super good inside. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is It's Not About You. How great is that? It's not about you. Now, if you're, you know, if a fence is starting to rise up, then I'm sorry. Um, but I actually want to let you know that it's really great that it's not about you. Not just that Christmas isn't about you, but that, that this life isn't about you. Because we couldn't deal with it if it was, really. If the whole world truly did revolve around us, we would be in big trouble because we're not as equipped for that job as we want to be. But the good news is that we have a loving Savior who, even though it's not about you, He loves you so much that He went to a cross, and that's Jesus Christ, who we get to celebrate in this amazing season. Born in a filthy manger around goats and sheep and all of that in a backwards town in the middle of nowhere so that we could have a fullness of life. He went to a cross, he died for our sins, and he rose again so that we can know that the future that we have in store for us. Um, but we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to read a bit of a section of the Christmas story from Matthew. I and mean, if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open up to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and uh, we'll have a read here. 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and that's Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus." Now, let's pray one more time. God, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would pour out revelation, God. Lord, I pray as we, as we dive into what this scripture means, as we dive into this amazing Christmas story, God, that it would be fresh to us, Lord. Even if we feel like we know the storyline, I pray, God, that the meaning would become apparent to us yet again of what it truly means, that you were born 2,000 years ago, that we might have life and life to the full. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, as I said, I would love to look at Joseph, um, and I love Joseph. Um, I, I really think I want to pull out three keys from Joseph, and particularly just from the last verse that was up there, about how we can not just live in this Christmas time, but live in our life. Um, Joseph really exemplified a life that was not about him. Um, if we think about the story that, that just came up, it, we can get so familiar with it that we forget the shocking value of it. I mean, just put yourself in Joseph's shoes for one moment. You're a faithful Jew, if you can put yourself in those shoes, faithful Jew living 2,000 years ago, I'm sure everyone's relating already so far, 2,000 years ago in the Middle East in a backwards town called Bethlehem. It's about eight kilometers from Jerusalem. Uh, you're a carpenter, as we find out later in the gospel, and uh, you're probably doing all the right things, you know, doing your Aaron and a half trek to Jerusalem so that you can offer your sacrifice and follow the Mosaic law as it's there. When suddenly you take a wife, you're super stoked, you paid the price, you know, the whole bridal pricing of back in those days. When suddenly, and imagine this, you see a little bump in your wife's chest and you realize, well, not chest, <laughs> well, you might see some bumps there, but uh, <laughs> forgive me. Um, <laughs> A bump in your in your soon-to-be wife's stomach, and um, yeah, we're all we're we're all on board. We all know what's going on. That's great. <laughs> a bump in your soon-to-be wife's stomach, and the problem is, is that you don't know how that bump got there. And now, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You just went to her father, probably paid a pretty large price for this bride, and now you wake up and find that, great, my fiancé is pregnant, and I don't know what happened. Imagine the shame. Imagine the suspicion. Imagine all the questions that are going on around here. See, Joseph was put in a pretty uncomfortable position right here. And I don't know about anyone else here, but I know in my life I've been in some uncomfortable positions. But I'm assuming most of us know how this story ends. You should, because we just read it. Um, but that uncomfortable position actually led to something 
Um, honestly, words are beyond describing it. I, I'd love to call it great, but that, that's too small for what happened from this uncomfortable position that Joseph was in. But I can guarantee you, for Joseph, of all the possible solutions to the situation he found himself in, one of them was not that the Holy Spirit put this child in that woman and that, she, that child was going to be the savior of the world. The Messiah, re- really God incarnate here in this world, God with us, as it said, I can guarantee that wasn't one of the thoughts that was going through Joseph's mind. Probably what was going through his mind, and it actually kind of shows it there, is what am I going to do? I'm a righteous Jew, and I know that uh, the, the Mosaic law says that if a woman has committed adultery, it's actually capital punishment. If we, if you, you can just read in John where Jesus is uh, brought forward by the, the, sorry, the Pharisees bring the woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and they question him and say, what should we do with this woman? You know, she's been caught in adultery. The law says we should stone her. That's uh, in John 7. And we see what, this, is, this is the dilemma that Joseph finds himself in. He's like, I, I, I don't know what to do here. But Joseph, he, he seems to kind of gather his thoughts a little and he says, okay, I'm, I'm just, but I'm also merciful. And I, I'm, it says, I'm going to put her away quietly. I'm just going to divorce, but I'm, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm not going to bring her towards the Jewish authorities. I'm just going to leave this. I got dealt this set of cards. It sucks. We're going to move on. I'm going to find a more comfortable life for myself. And then what happens? Joseph gets a dream. He gets a dream just like Joseph in Genesis. He gets a dream where the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, no, no, hold up, buddy. That's not the go. This is bigger than that. This is bigger than just your wedding that you had planned. This is bigger than, you know, your, your comfy little um, career that you had as a carpenter in Bethlehem. The, you've got to understand what's happening here. And he tells him that here is the Savior of the world. Here's Jesus Christ. And you... Joseph, you're, uh, you're from the line of David. That's David and Goliath. That's David and Bathsheba. You're one of his descendants. And the prophecies of Scripture, you know, it says that the son must come from the line of David. And so I've chosen you for this. You need to actually adopt this child as your own. And so Joseph wakes up. And this is where I'd love to linger for this message here. Joseph wakes up and he does three things. These are three things and three, three keys which I believe we can take on board tonight about how we can continue to live our life. And the, the first thing he does, as I just said, is he wakes up, which I think is very important. The second thing he does is he immediately says yes. He immediately obeys, if you read the scripture, what the angel of the Lord says. And the last thing is that he names him Jesus. And I, I want to read that 24 um, to 25 one more time. We're going to kind of split this up. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, I'm a bit conflicted about this first point, um, because if anyone else that knows me well knows that I love sleep. I love it. I'm a little precious about it, to be completely honest. Um, I I like to consider myself a princess when it comes to sleep. Um, If I don't get enough, I'm moody. If I get waken up for what I consider an insufficient reason, I'm going to be moody. It's just the way God made me. You can judge me. That's okay. That's your your imperative. We can talk about it later. But I love sleep. I love sleep, okay? Um, But even I know that sometimes I've got to wake up. Even I know that I can't continue to live in a dreamland my whole life. As much as I would love to, because, like, honestly, I'm, I'm not just making a story or, you know, trying to be funny. I actually love sleep. And if I could, if my body was able to sleep 24 hours on a Saturday, I would just be, oh, it's so good. Um, I got a bit too into that. Sorry. Sorry for giving you all the info about my life. Um, but I know, I know that that's not what I'm called to do. Because I'm not called to live in a dreamland. 
God wants me here in reality. He wants me here conscious. He wants me here seeing things as they really are. And what is sleep other than just kind of stepping out of reality, stepping out of uh, into a, a state where um, we can't do anything, where, you know, we and we have the illusion that we're doing things, but, you know, it's, it's all illusion. We wake up and realize, oh, it was just a dream. I wasn't able to do any of that there. And I know God calls me to wake up physically, but one thing I know as well is that God calls us all to wake up spiritually too. And that the reality is that we can all, in one way or another in our lives, fall asleep. Fall asleep to what is actually real, what actually matters, what God actually, the, the core of God that he has for our life. And we, we see Joseph here, he has the dream, and then he physically wakes up. But in this moment here, Joseph does more than physically wake up. This isn't just him rubbing the sleep off his eyes and being like, okay, I guess I better do what the angel of the Lord said. This is a game changer. Suddenly, all that he thought his life was about, his whole 10-year plan that he had for God, it was all ripped out. The book was gone. You know, Joseph, he wakes up and he realizes, I've got a bigger call. This life isn't just about going to the temple every week, fulfilling my Jewish obligations. This life isn't just about, you know, continuing to be a faithful carpenter and build a good business and have a, have a wife here and settle down and do that. No, no, no. I've got a bigger call than this here. Joseph has to wake up to the call that he has in his life. And so too for us as Christians, I believe we are all called to awaken. I love the story in, in um, the Gospel of John where Jesus heals the blind man. And I, I love the blind man's response to Jesus. He, he says, uh, sorry, not to Jesus, to the Pharisees. They're questioning him. He's like, what happened? And the blind man always says this. this. He's, they're giving all these questions. And he's like, look, I don't know. All I know is that I met Jesus. And once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was blind, but now I see. In the same way that, that Joseph had to wake up in these instant, that, that blind man there, he didn't just have new eyes to, to see the real world. He had new eyes to see something different, that the world actually had a savior, that he actually had a call, that he actually had a purpose, that there was something beyond just this in the here and now. And God calls us all to wake up. But it's not just a, a one moment thing. It's not just a, okay, I've woken up, God's real, that's it. We, as well here in the church, if we're following Jesus faithfully, even we can sometimes lose track and begin to doze off to what really matters. Begin to doze off that there is a God, that he cares and that he loves his children. He, he loves those that don't know him yet. And God has a purpose for you. It might not be to be the father of the, the son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, but he's still got something that he has called you to do. And you know what I love is that Joseph doesn't wake himself up. Joseph doesn't give himself a dream. Rather, God comes down to him. And that's the truth. Is you don't have to strive for waking up. All you need to do is turn to Jesus again and just ask him, God, would you come and speak to me? Would you come and open my eyes? I can't do it myself. You alone have the power to do so. And when we do that, he can move in power upon that there. God calls us to wake up. So Joseph woke up, and then he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. So it's not just about waking up and having this, you know, Buddha, Zen moment of, oh, I, I see the world as it really is now, and you, you know, sit there in, in your enlightenment. It's not just that. Joseph wasn't just called to wake up. He was called to actually do something. And what I love about Joseph is he didn't wake up, have the call, have the vision, and then start to deliberate and start to think, okay, pros and cons, doing this, God. Being the son, being the father of the son of God, hmm, pros and cons. He doesn't do that. <laughs> Actually, I want to read, I don't have it on the screen, but 
if you keep reading in, um, through the book of Matthew, you get to chapter 2, and there's two other um, verses that are nearly exactly like this, and I'll, I'll read them out to you. Um, so one of them is this. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. So another example, Lord comes in a dream, says, get out of here, you've got to go to Egypt, you're done. And so what does he do? He wakes up and he does as the Lord commands him. Hello, Siri. (laughs) I don't know how to turn that off. There we go, that'll do it. Um, (laughs) One other example, I won't read the whole verse, but he's in Egypt, he gets another dream, another vision, and then the angel says, you've got to go back to your homeland now. The people that have been searching for Jesus, they're dead, so I want you to go back, but don't go to Bethlehem, okay? You need to go up north, up to the sticks, up to the Gundawindi, sorry if anyone's from Gundawindi, up to the Gundawindi of Israel, okay, where no one's about. Um, that, that was maybe slightly offensive. I love Gundawindi. I went to the petrol station there, had a really pleasant experience. Great pies, great pies at Gundawindi. You've got to check it out. Um, but Joseph goes to the, uh, the Gundawindi of Israel, has to leave his security net, has to leave his, his family, his safety network. But you know what the scripture says? Is that the angel of the Lord tells him to do this? And he wakes up and he does as the angel of the Lord commanded him. It's the exact same words every three times. He has three dreams. His first response is he does as the angel of the Lord commanded him. But you know, if Joseph's life was still about himself, I can guarantee you he wouldn't have done what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Because think of what the price, if, if he's just thinking about his life for himself, think of the price he had to pay. He had to take on uh, a, a fiancé who was pregnant, not with his own child, you know, uh, subjecting himself to societal shame, not being able to go anywhere near the religious leaders lest they find out, and who knows what happens then. He has to not just um, subject himself to that, but then he has to flee his own country and not to the friendly next-door neighbor New Zealand. He's got to go to Egypt. If you know anything about Israel and Egypt, they're not good friends. <laughs> they're basically, the whole history of Israel and Egypt is just constant war, slavery, Moses, we, we know the story of that there. And this is the place he's got to go, away from family, away from any safety network. Then finally, you know, he thinks things are finally going his way. God says, go back home, but don't go back home. You've got to go up to the sticks, away from all your family and stay there because you need to be safe. If Joseph is considering his options, you know, how, how his life can be, how he can just maximize his own pleasure, how he can just have his, live his best life, I can guarantee you if that's his thought, if he's still concerned about the present that he can receive with his life, he's saying no to it. But Joseph didn't think that way. Joseph didn't even give the time. There wasn't even a delayed obedience so he could toil it up. Joseph knew that my life is for God. My life is for what he wants, regardless of me, less of me, more of him. And so what does he do? He wakes up and immediately does what the Lord commands him. The second thing that we can learn from Joseph and we can learn in this Christmas time is we just got to say yes. And if you, for anyone here, maybe you, you've had the knock of God on your door. You, he's been calling you to something. Maybe he's just calling you to trust him and believe in him. Hey, praise God. Open that door. But if you haven't yet, it's okay. Can I let you know, delayed obedience is better than a no. Yeah. But that said, obedience today is better than obedience tomorrow. Yeah. And we, that we don't have to wait for tomorrow. God has put in every single one of us the ability to say yes and to say no. Every single one of us, none of us are exempt from that. We all have the ability to say yes or to say no what God has called us to in our life. But can I just give one word of encouragement for everyone here today? Why don't you lean into God of what he's been saying to you recently? He's probably been saying more than you know if we have ears to hear and begin to say that yes to him. Not thinking about the cost, not bringing in the Excel spreadsheet of pros and cons, but just saying, no, God, this is bigger than that. 
I'm not in this life for the presence I can receive. Because I know if I do that, I'm always going to be less shortchanged. But God, I'm going to follow your call obediently because I know that is where I win. That is what this life's about. Not me having the best time, but God, you fulfilling your purpose, you fulfilling your call, and let me be a faithful servant. And you know what I love? Is that in the Bible, you don't hear anything else about Joseph. That's it. That last story about him going back to, um, up into Nazareth, sorry, is the, the Gunda Windy Town. He goes to Nazareth. That last story of that there, that's all you hear. There's one other reference where Jesus is just called the son of Joseph. That's it. Uh, the Pharisees are, who's this son of Joseph, the carpenter? That's all that you hear. And I think that's so significant because in reality, the rest didn't matter. What he did for the rest of his life, you know, how he settled down, the career choice he made, how many kids he had after that, you know, it's not that it was bad or that God didn't love him or care about that, but in the grand picture of what God wanted to do in this world, all that mattered was Joseph's obedience. And the reality is, is that when we all finally fall asleep, not to awake, God's not going to ask you what career choice you made. He's not going to ask you what you studied at uni. Did you get the six or the seven? He's going to ask you, were you obedient? Did you listen to what I said and said yes? Did you forget the cost and rather follow me? The rest doesn't matter. I I just want that to be a word of encouragement. I know for myself, I I speak this as someone that's, you know, has to deal with this as well. I know for myself, I can get so stuck up in the, the small decisions of life, which seem so large, you know, what job should I take, God? Should I live in Calandra? Should I live overseas? Should I, you know, should I study this? Should I study that? Rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat. But when I've come to it, I, I'm so blessed and I feel so blessed that I've had significant encounters where God's just blown those questions out of my mind. Be like, does it really matter, Harrison? Does it really matter? Do you think that you're going to please me by the fact that you chose, you know, the, the arts degree or the math degree? Harrison, listen to my voice. And for whoever here, listen to my voice. That's what matters, is where you say yes. Say yes. That's our second call. And the last thing that I love that, you, uh, that Joseph does is that he names the child. And my last point is this, is that we've got to name him. We're all called to name him. You know, the name... Um, Jesus, it's the Greek form of the Hebrew Yeshua, and Yeshua is the name Joshua from from the Bible. Anyway, all that to say it means God saves. God saves. And when when Joseph named Jesus Jesus, he wasn't just being obedient to the, the call of the angel of the Lord. He was actually placing his stamp of ownership, saying, I'm tying myself down here. Because in naming him, he basically declared, I'm the father. I'm this. He will be from the line of David, because I will be his father, and he'll be my son. Joseph's naming of Jesus wasn't just some, you know, insignificant thing. In that, the prophecies of thousands of years before were fulfilled. And there's actually a lot in the name. I, I, I was thinking um, today about, about names and just about how funny they are. And I'm sure everyone's probably had an experience of a story something like this. Remember when I was single-digit age, can't remember exactly what, but I can remember so vividly being at Stockland Caloundra in the coals with mum. We're doing grocery shopping, and um, she's over looking at potatoes or whatever mums do. Um, and I'm there looking at the... Looking at the <laughs> I just, I just like made enemies of every single mom in this house. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm there looking at the K-Zone magazine. Does any, anyone remember K-Zone? Yeah, come on. You know it. That is why I went grocery shopping. That was it. Um, but um, I, and I, I can remember so vividly this one. 
one time, you know, look at the magazines, and I turn around, and mum's not there. And I, you know, I, I'm like, oh, oh no, okay, I, I got to get to, where's mum? And, you know, I run around, and I see someone wearing the jeans of mum, and I go around, and I hug their leg, and I'm like, mum, where'd you go? And I look up, and I'm like, you're not mum. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, I can remember the feeling. It's like embarrassment. It's like, oh, I've done the wrong thing. It's like, uh, like a little fearful, of like, where is my mum now? This person thinks I'm super weird. I've got to, like, run away. Um, and, and what I realized is that there's only one person in my life that gets the name mum. No one else. If I give the name mum to anyone else, it's a bit strange. It doesn't really mean what it's, you know, what mum normally means. In the same way, we wouldn't, if you, if you met the Queen of Australia, you wouldn't call her Elizabeth. You'd call her the Queen. That's, that's the reality. Because names and titles, they do have meaning. And my question tonight is, what are you calling Jesus? Or are you even calling him anything? Who has the name God saves in your life? Who has the name Savior in your life? Is it Jesus? Is it that child that we celebrate in this season, born in a manger, went through his life, ministered, healed the sick, raised the dead, spoke wisdom, spoke love, spoke humility, went to the cross for our sins and rose again to show us that we have a life that we can live after this life has ended? Is he the one that you call Savior? Or has it started to be your job? Is he the one that you call Savior? Or has it started to be your kids? Who's providing meaning in your life? Who gets the name Savior? And the reality is, is you can be a Christian, but forget who your Savior is. I know I'm so susceptible to it myself. I can go through life forgetting who the Lord is, forgetting who the King is, I can get wrapped up thinking, maybe I can, fulfill, I can make my own purpose. Maybe I can play my own cards here. But thankfully, we have such a loving God that if we go to Him faithfully, He's always there ready to wake us up, ready to give us a command, if we would just call Him who He is, which is Savior, which is Lord, which is King of Kings, Healer, Provider. What names does He have in your life? What are you calling Him? Or is He just your Sunday devotion? Is he just the name that you sing in the songs? Because it's so easy to slip back into that. I'd love if we could all stand for a moment. Like I said, I, I know it's so easy as a Christian sometimes to forget. But just remember God's good and he loves you. And if we would just humbly ask God, remind me who you are as I confess who you are, God can do powerful things. God can do more than we ask or think. Think of Joseph. He had a pretty chaotic situation that he was in. But God brought an answer to that situation that he never could have ever thought or dreamed of. See, God is bigger than us. He knows more than us. He's got a bigger picture. And so our call in life is to remember that it's not about us. It's not about my thoughts, my dreams, my desires, but God, it's what you say. And when we begin to let that be the confession of our heart, we find our meaning yet again. We find purpose. We fulfill what we were made to do on this earth, which is to be in communion with our Creator. But it takes calling Him what He is. We're going to go into worship, and my encouragement for all of us here is why don't you start reminding yourself who He is yet again? 
why don't you begin to confess yet again that Jesus, you are my savior. Jesus, you did redeem me. And if you don't know him yet, why don't you begin to ask and call out? Because he's more than powerful to reveal himself to you. I mean, think about it. We're here in Caloundra, the opposite end of the world to where Jesus was born. Millions of us following Jesus. And there's millions of, of Christians here today, probably in this exact moment, calling out to his name. And at the start of it all was an encounter. I know the start of my journey with Christ was an encounter. Was choosing to say, you know what? God, if you're there, let's do this. God, let's try this. So it doesn't matter where you are with Christ, we can all call out. And no one is excluded. He doesn't show any partiality. Doesn't matter how many grandmas you walked across the road today or what you were doing before this service. If we would call out to Him with a fresh, pure heart and saying, God, just show me who you are, He can do great things. Let's worship.